Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that's for anyone who more than loves wine, but loves the people behind it, the culture behind the places making it, and sharing, well, where wine takes you, and the love of Paso Robles wine country. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Thank you for making Where Wine Takes You one of the fastest growing wine podcasts in the country, a top 10 wine podcast, and you choosing to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast has meant the world to us. So thank you. So we were going to talk about Wine Fest today. And the good news is we still are, but we're going to be giving you another episode next week. So you won't have to wait two weeks for the next episode. There is just so much going on in Paso wine country. And we had one of the biggest wine events around in Paso after a four-year hiatus because of, well, you know, 2020. And that is Hospice du Rhone. Normally a biannual event, so every two years, Hospice du Rhone welcomes winemakers and producers of Rhone wines from all over the world. So we have Sonoma to Chateauneuf de Pop in town, dinners, seminars, and a lot more. I love Hospice du Rhone. I love the people that put the event on. Vicky Carroll, uh, the one and only John Albin, uh, Howard, Teresa, Aaron. I mean, the whole team is special. They work so hard and dial this event in so well. I help announce and host their auction with the uh, famed great auctioneer Todd Ventura. I also do my show from the event, get some interviews. So I love working with these guys and gals and just being here. It's truly a special event. So the two main guests I have today don't live here and are in town specifically for Hospice du Rhone. The first of which is international acclaimed wine critic, wine writer. I mean, cigar aficionado, this guy, masterclass instructor the one and only James Suckling. I can't wait for this chat. Later, we meet up with a guy I've uh, built a rapport with over the last year or so since I met him on his last visit to Paso, and that's MJ Towler, host of the Black Wine Guy Experience. We hit it off then, kept in contact, and sat down to catch up, hit record, and it's audio we will be sharing both here and on his podcast, The Black Wine Guy Experience. MJ is one of a kind, and we had a fun chat, to say the least. I grew up at the Jersey Shore, and not the fucked up one you've seen on MTV. I mean, the real- There's um, a nice one? Jersey Shore. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, this motherfucker's from California. Where'd you grow up? I'll I'll answer all your questions soon. I grew up in the Gore Hills, just like northern LA County. Okay, I know know what Gore Hills is. I lived here, man. But uh, yeah, the Jersey Shore, some beautiful beaches. um, Sure. And and swimmable, unlike the water here in California. Why, Um, because it's too Cold? Too fucking cold. The water is, are you kidding me? That water comes down from fucking Alaska, bro. MJ's really a hoot. A lot of enthusiasm. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Later, we will also talk Wine Fest. Again, May 19th through 22nd. So excited for it. PasoWine.com for all the info. And we'll chop it up more on that later on in this show. So to our first guest, James Suckling. He's a world-renowned wine critic, wine writer. I think when you look up wine aficionado on Wikipedia, it's got to be his face, you see. Right. I'd never met him before this, but whenever I see him on screen, I always think like this guy seems really friendly, seems cool, seems like a dude you'd want to meet and talk wine with. I see his masterclass ads all the time on my social media feed. So we're just hanging at Hospice Tyrone. We got owner and winemaker, another where wine takes you alum, Scott Holly of Torin, to join us, as well as communications director for Paso Wine, Chris Toronto. We come into the conversation, we're talking to James Suckling about this copper cup that he's got with him. It's like the coolest personal spit cup ever. 
Check it out. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We bounce all around till the job is done. Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Yeah, that's my copper Your thing. Chalice. That's my. my Do you bring this everywhere you go? I just started to, because I heard there was a big tasting in Burgundy, mm-hmm. and they were all spitting in this communal spit bucket, yeah. and it was like a super spreader. Oh yeah. Oh shoot. It was oh the, my god. Yeah. Dude, we were at Justin Smith's at this last time Hospice Drone, so three years ago, whatever yeah. it was, and there was a table around, like an eight foot round, and there was a spittoon in the middle, and there were bottles everywhere. And some dude was standing, like, behind somebody, spitting into the spittoon over the bottles. And he could do it? And he could do it. But it, it was still gross. It dude, was still- he was French. The <laughs> yeah. French are the best spitters. It was impressive. <laughs> I literally <laughs> practice that, James. When I'm- yeah. yeah. It's funny. Only the French can do that. When I do it, when I'm brushing my teeth, this is when, yeah. I, when yeah. I practice. I You're get right. those last yeah. couple, like, swishes yeah. with the toothpaste, and I will practice spitting perfectly into yeah. the drain just for events like this. Oh, yeah. I know. It's really, it's, it's uh, important. you got to show off. How yeah. long did it take you, James Suckling, to master your spit? Oh, uh, <laughs> the aim, the direction, the intent. I had to move yeah. to France to really uh, yeah. make it happen properly. Yeah. We're going to bring Chris in a second, but look at this. We've got Scott Hawley, Torin. We've got James Suckling. You look better in my glasses than I do. This is disappointing. You look great. I'm keeping it, man. You're not what is going on? How you been, dude? I'm good, man. I'm super good. So good stoked to be here. Yeah. Good to see everybody back yeah. out. It really is. It's so nice just looking around and seeing everybody here. We miss this event and just miss people. So, yeah. Yeah, this is great. But you guys are so busy in Paso now. It's, you know, the, it's the new Napa, apparently. It's great. You know, it's... It, <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of yeah. hair raising on yeah. the arms. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They'll love to hear that. I yeah. know, sure. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I mean, because it's interesting. Like, James, what, when you when you think of Paso and see where it's growing and how it's... Okay, well, I'm actually really qualified to say because until a month ago, I hadn't been back in 10 years. Really? Yeah. Dude. And it was, I felt We've like... We've won wine region of the year since then. Like, yeah. come on. I felt like Rip Van Winkle, man. Yeah. That I fell asleep yeah. underneath yeah. a tree in Asia or something. Well, what were you, you know? doing? And I came here and I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This is Paso. It's so cool now and fun and everyone's, you know, really chilled but in a good California way. I can say that I'm from um, Southern California. From Where do you live? Um, well, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Well, I Hancock grew up in Agora. Okay, that's so Northern LA County. Yeah, yeah. that sort of counts. But um, <laughs> well, Southern California, bro. Shoot, I'm at Hancock no, Park over here. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but um, anyway, so I was really amazed by how it all changed and like great food and really what I like too is there's really um, a lot of camaraderie with producers where they're all like I had a great lunch that mm-hmm. Stefan organized with a bunch of producers and we were all hanging yeah. and talking and I learned so much and and I could see everyone just wants their brothers and sisters to make a great wine and that's a really great vibe I live part of the year in uh, St. Helena and I think Napa is a, a lot more competitive you know it's interesting because I, I think of the dynamic that you bring with, with your work and is it hard to approach an area area like this and wonder if people are being genuine to you and being authentic or they're trying to stroke or impress you how do you navigate through those really unavoidable waters well i think that um as a wine critic i've been doing this for 41 years and also i'm a professional journalist i 
I worked as a daily journalist before I have a master's in journalism. And, of course, you know, that's part of the game. As a journalist, you know that, of course, people want to impress you, but you also have to take people for um, their face value. And I really believe in, um, in new journalism. It was something that was started in the 60s and 70s where um, you're actually part of the story. When I was um, growing up and studying journalism, where you're part of the story and you can analyze and tell a story from being part of it. And I, I find that really stimulating and fun now. And I'm really into reporting. I have um, eight editors. A lot of them are, or four of them are um, less than 30 years old. And I'm really telling them like about reporting. You can't just Google this shit. You really have to know, you know, and talk to people and learn about it. Kick the dirt in the vineyards and yeah, talk get to on the, the winemakers. Yeah. We fly our team around the world to get the story and learn about wine and have it in context. Interesting conversation I have with Jim Maroney. He used to head up the Dallas Daily News, right? Mm-hmm. And a media dude who was really integral in that part is like when newspapers were taking shit digital and like really like charging for subscriptions. You have seen your business over the last 40 years, really in the last decade plus, take this like switch to digital digital subscription base how have you been able to kind of and forget forgive me for using the word pivot because we heard it too many times in the last couple years but make that transition as you noticed it shaping that way yeah well um, actually we're subscription based Uh, we don't have advertising um for our website or our social media is a different part of communication i consider it a different world and we do you know we're one of the biggest influencers in wine but what's interesting is with COVID, our subscriptions are up 72 percent and i think it's because uh well you know people who are at home and they're like hey i'm buying subscription to netflix to prime to whatever and they're like hey well i want wine information so and ratings to buy wine and so our subscriptions are way up um around the world so that's been really positive in the trend we started james com. It was digital in the beginning, and it was first video-based. We were way ahead of our time. I had a, a director who was, um, he still owns part of my company, and he did Three Men and a Baby, Sister Act 1 and 2, Father of the Bride. Such we, great ones. Yeah, great yeah, ones. that time, oh my God, yeah. awesome. And so um, we did some awesome videos, but I remember... When we launched, it was like people didn't want to pay for it because everything was free on YouTube. Yeah. So uh, And everyone wanted wine ratings. So I went back to our core business of rating wines. We still have cool videos, but um, it's really about ratings. And I think that... Uh, also with the pandemic, people need wine information. There's so much wine being made out there. Today, more than ever, at the Hospice uh, du Rhone, I was thinking, holy shit, I, you know, I haven't tasted maybe 70% of these wines. I'm, and I'm like, I was just about ready to call everyone. Like, <laughs> you know, Mayday, get all yeah. my editors over here and start yeah. tasting. Because there's we so many cool wines. Yeah, so I'm really excited. But also all the wines. There's wines from Paso, from Washington, France. Sonoma, yeah, 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 Napa. So it's really exciting, and there's just so much to cover nowadays. Where do you even approach? How do you even approach a room like this? Like, do you go like, oh, I'm going to visit people I haven't seen in a while, or I'm 
I'm going to just visit regions I haven't been exposed to in a while. I was honestly I didn't go to uh, French tables because I I know French wines um, very well and I can check those out when I'm in France in the summer. But I really wanted to check out Washington. To be James Suckling, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Like, he's the um, only dude in this whole place that's like I'm going to hold off on the French wines. Don't need <laughs> yeah. <to live." laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm American, right? <laughs> I got to tell you, I walked in with another journalist earlier. This is Chris, uh, and and that was the. First First thing we did was go to the French. Yeah. Everyone's That's right. What all the I mean, local producers, right? Too. All the yeah. local producers, like, oh, oh yeah. well, it's the trade and media hour. Like, yeah. we're gonna spend the time when it's like less crowded and yeah. go to those. You know? Yeah, no doubt. No, no but doubt. but I think that really now is the time to go deeper into American wines. And whether, wherever it is, it could be Washington, Oregon, California, Virginia. There's so many interesting, uh, you know, Finger Lakes, New York. There's so many interesting wines being made in America. And, like, I'm really proud to be American, and I'm happy to be back in the States. You know, I was in Hong Kong for two years, and my office is still there. But it's really exciting to see so much great wine being made, and I really believe that, you know, now's the time um, for American wine. More you than a, you got an office in Hong Kong? Yeah, that's like right. Like a, a desk, post-its, the whole thing. No, <laughs> dude, I have, like, right I have an office, like, with eight people working there, yeah. and also a restaurant with 18 people. So I'm really part, I'm a resident there, so yeah. it's a, it's an exciting place, because Hong Kong is the real, like, portal for fine wine for Asia. And we have no taxes or duties, so the wine just comes in, God it's bless. so easy, yeah. It's amazing. I've, I've never talked to anybody who has done a master class. Yeah. First thing you gotta do is invest in a corkscrew. I'm James Suckling, and this is my master class. I think that is so cool. How was that experience to do one of those? I've always wanted to get into well, like, it was, so many of them. It was. Well, I was one of the first ones, so I can tell you, I'm James Suckling, and this is your master class. <laughs> so, this is crazy. They brought over 60 people from Hollywood. Yeah. And like seven cameras and they were just amazing and they you know high production value if you've seen it and all their stuff is so great yeah. and Does i would pay I, pretty good um yeah it pays pretty good it was it You're paid a, very well master class dude that's, yeah. that's so impressive. cool yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was really and, and what is, is is it about wine tasting and deductive tasting or what is it no so basically at the beginning yeah if people are into wine they've probably been bombarded with advertising about my master class but it, it, one of the funny things is say if you take my master class you're not going to become a master sommelier and you're not going to become a master of wine but i'm going to teach you things that you can really appreciate wine and that was my whole point was we really need to turn on people to wine and make them understand how easy it is to appreciate wine. I mean, the fundamental thing is to drink wine, you know, and and not be intimidated by it and just try to learn as we all did with wine. You started off with something and you moved on. Zinfandel. Pass us in. That was my gateway drug. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. What was your gateway drug? Well, I guess my dad, like this was back in the in the late 70s and he was a big collector but I started off drinking more Loire wine slightly sweet just like everyone did and I moved on but of course he was drinking Lafitte and all these amazing wines so I remember that moment when I was 18 and um, he poured me a glass of 1966 Lafitte and I was like oh my god this wine stuff's pretty good how old were you? I was 18 oh my gosh what was your gateway? man I've you know you want the truth? Yeah. yeah 
Fetzer Gewürztraminer. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good, though. I, I remember. Love, yeah. You know what's crazy? Yeah, off dry. Off dry. Yeah. So, Hawk bottle. Yeah. So yeah. I tried that um, in college, actually, you know, before I switched to the enology major. And oddly enough, after I graduated from college, my first job was with Fetzer. I made 250,000 no. cases a year of Fetzer Gewürztraminer for like three years. No way. Yeah, it was crazy. You worked Tor- with Paul Dolan? I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember That was my first him. boss yeah. college. Yeah. Toronto, what yeah. was your gateway? Yeah. It was probably my uncle's garage, literally uh, cellar wine living in Medford, Massachusetts, and he would import in Barbera or Zinfandel uh, from Lodi, and they would make, two uncles of mine would make wine down in their cellar, and they would feed it to us. I say that oddly, but yeah, but uh, at kind of like uh, family events where we would be drinking out of little brandy glasses, so the kids would have like their own little mini wine glasses and a little shot of it, and that would be with your pasta or with whatever it was that we were eating, big Italian family. And and then uh, you know the kids would be asleep by the time they were playing pinochle. Nice, I love it. Man. Yeah, I love hearing those stories of like those wines that kind of like broke you in. Yeah. And then, of course, maybe totally. a little after that, and then was your aha wine. Yeah, you know the yeah. wine that just like kind of like opens this like oh, exactly. Yeah, you know. Uh, let's the talk about this. sort of wine right. that really yeah. just so changes your. We're life gonna part. talk top. We're gonna talk because we tried to get Stanley on here yeah. a little while ago because I know uh, we're all friends with him, and I've never met a more shy dude. Like you're talking to him <laughs> in a group of people. He's let's, like uh, super open. Let's try great. some. Yeah. Okay. What is it about, you know, Top is one of these fun wines of late, a little newer to the game, but certainly has made a splash, James. Yeah. Well, first, I think that what's in the bottle is really compelling. It's dry, firm, and rich at the same time, strangely. And, and it's so drinkable. And I think that uh, that's one thing I noticed a month ago when I tasted about a 150 wines over a couple days and Paso uh, is really moving towards some more drinkability some people obviously like the huge big style of wine from Paso but I think that we're really moving towards more drinkability and that's uh, really exciting and I think that Stanley with his like his uh, the brand top with his vibe you know Ingle uh, Inglewood Inglewood always yeah. up to no good yeah LA boy yeah. and I just what Dude, I met I just period, loved him like black jersey sweatshirt yeah. Yeah. beanie yeah. chucks yeah. black jeans yeah. like I just love I mean, yeah. he's just got a style about him and you can't deny the wine is fantastic and I love how you, you bring that up I call it kind of like that Paso restraint Scott and yeah. I know that you've dialed that in with Torin yeah. what is it about yeah, Torin's on the, has done that for a long time yeah. right for mm-hmm. many 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 years but yeah. what is that idea Scott about taking the obvious ability for us to ripen yeah. an obvious ability for us to slap it across the face with a bottle of wine sure. but reining that in reining that sexiness in you know it's a challenge man and it's not the the deal is is that you can't force feed a style, right? You can't you can, but you're gonna be unsuccessful, right? So what you have to do is you have to figure out how to grow the fruit. Right, you figure out where to grow it, how to grow it, what to put where, what root stocks, what combinations, what aspects—all these crazy stuff, right? And then you figure out, you know, are you do you have the right grapes in the right soil? And then it gives you a wine. There's no way to get around the fact that we're going to produce big wines in Paso Robles. It's just where we are, and, and we embrace it, and we love it, and it's what we're about. But it doesn't mean they have to be monolithic or one-dimensional or simplistic or any of that stuff. So you put them in the right dirt, and all of a sudden you've got these beautifully brilliant, big, massive wines that have freshness and you know acidity and and things that support them and you know i think it's just it 
it's kind of dumb luck, I guess, in the fact that if that's where you ended up. But, you know, a lot of us have sought out that from the get-go. But, um, you know, being here in those right soil profiles. And then, you know, early on we were doing things, you know, draining down 30% of the juice. And yeah. obviously, you know, how big a wine can we possibly make, you know? After. Um, so, in, and that just really, when you have a berry that's like you know, half the size, the diameter, your pinky to start with. You don't need to drain 30% of the juice right, down, right? Right, That's So you crazy. figure out that you're, that you're, you already have everything you need. You just have to let the vineyard express itself. And then all of a sudden, so we didn't shy away from the fact that the wines are complete and complex and interesting and all that. So we're not trying to make, you know, linear, simple wines, but all of a sudden we have these wines that they they walk this really beautiful balance of mass and finesse you know and i think yes that's, that's, that's a great cool. way to put it yeah. toronto have you noticed that where of course the, some of the brands like torin are premium are exclusive are like our cult you know our, our big followers that we love have you noticed that happening with even just like on the regular with people trying to kind of like dial that in and, and give that passive restraint to a wine what we're actually seeing lately it has been that is and has been how uh, a lot of our wines are being recognized a little bit more favorably is that there's this restraint. I mean, I, I'm sorry to say, but yeah, there well, there was a point in time where Paso was thought of as a little bit more rustic, a little bit more hot. But these days when we see how winemakers are doing things and how they're being recognized, it's definitely those wines that have a little bit more restraint, but also because they've taken, as Scott was saying, a little bit more notice in, and a little bit more care into their farming practices and until uh, just a little bit more around roundabout as to how they're going to bring in fruit and what they're going to do with it in a way that's going to be a little bit more restraint in style and a little bit more pleasurable in, in the end, honestly. Yeah, but but also that I think that's all about uh, drinkability. Like some wines still in Paso, they're sort of one glass wines. Mm-hmm. Well, well, in fact... Many of us, I think that particularly, well, certainly the people around this uh, table, we like to drink more than one glass. So as a winemaker, that's going to be your goal. Like, hey, I want to make wine that I want to drink the whole bottle myself because it's so good. And I think that that's really um, the thing happening here is that there's wines, like you said, with restraint and just wonderful drinkability, but at the same time giving you the um, pure and rich, like, Paso fruit character. So that's what I think is unique about um, Paso, that uh, that's different than than other areas. Sure, Napa has that, but of course it's... um, it's based more on uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, and they're dialing it back a lot now. I can tell you, you know, um, I have a house in St. Helena, and um, and I spend quite a bit of time there, and and the wines are being are are much more balanced and drinkable, and that's a great move in general. I think drinkability is really. Uh, what it's all about and I think that you know the younger generation millennials are all into you know drinking wines like that Mm -hmm. I find it interesting when we talk about dialing it back I think that's a thing right now right you see these like chillable reds and like carbonics and all that dialing it back dialing it back but really what we're doing is dialing it in dialing it in yeah you're right I never thought about it yeah yeah Yeah. and I love I love that because like in a way it's kind of what we're doing and I, I i mean i'm the paso pr guy right <laughs> but the fact is though is that that's kind of what we're doing here in paso yeah that's well, what we're doing yeah but pretty soon you're not going to have a job because like the wine's so good you want you know you don't have to say anything it'll sell itself <laughs> yeah the, 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 the communications director's worked himself out of a job yeah right. right well you better stop all right 
<laughs> Talking about this wine, uh, Scott Holly, you brought over a magnum of your Akasha. Yeah, that's kind of fun. So the you know today for HDR here, they wanted old vintages. Um, we went back and we really didn't have a lot of inventory and old vintage. We had some old magnums. So we actually we poured an 09 Maven, which is Grenache based, and we had this 2013 Akasha, and it was kind of cool because. 09 was this massive, just gnarly, tannic, brutal vintage that took years to come around. And so trying to wind this 13 years old over there, it's finally beautiful and all this stuff. 13 was showy right out the get-go. 13 was beautiful. It's pretty. But still, now that we're nine years into this thing, just about, it's still fresh and vibrant and gorgeous and beautiful and all this stuff. And it's really soil-based. It hasn't moved, right? It hasn't moved. It's just like suspended animation. Yes. It's really incredible. So 13 was fantastic. Yeah. So, no, so it's cool. So we had some magnums of these laying around. This is 95% Syrah. We had 5% Grenache kicker in there. Most of this came from our Anderson Road property. Um, We blended a little James Berry in there. And um, there you have it, man. It's just... I didn't even look at the vintage. I thought it was like five years. Yeah. I know, I know, yeah. I know. Right? It's like, right? oh, that's yeah. his current release. Yeah. Well, you know what's really amazing is for so long people assumed that wines here, you know, it's a hot region. The wines are going to be, you know, one year wines, like yeah. crazy stuff. And that was like they couldn't be more wrong, right? And so for us to come back with wines that are nine, ten, twelve, fifteen years old and show them how well they're holding up is, it's, I love it, man. That's like. I, there's nothing better to me than sit a wine in front of somebody that they think is, you know, two, three years old and it's 10, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, it's great. I love the first day of the tasting with hospice because mm-hmm. Tablas always brings out some really, and I love whites. So yeah. I love these old cool. whites. And when yeah. you start tasting these 01, 01 Roussons or whatever, not only does it show just the ageability of these Rhone varietals, yeah. of course, because we know that from like, you know, sure. um, Chateauneuf and we were mm-hmm. tasting some of these old wines, but just pass, I mean, you're starting to see some really cool uh, James ageability in Paso. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's what I enjoyed about the tasting uh, today. At first, oh, I better take tasting notes. Then I'm like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Just get the general vibe. Yeah. Also, you know, different areas as well. Like, how does it age? And some wines, for me, I was thinking, for example, I tasted some um, Syrahs and Grenache from um, Gramercy from Walla. Mm-hmm. And I remember their wines are always really tight. And I always didn't give them, I might gave them good scores, but not really great. And I was so happy to see how they evolved. Yeah. So that's really, and they were a lot better. And I think it's important to have that experience. Yeah. So you see how wines evolve. I want to know yeah. how you approach a, a, a thing like this. When you're yeah. going around, do you have your notebook out? And when you make notes, what are you saying? Are these like notes that you may write later on? Or are they just kind of like, almost like the way an artist will get into their notes app and like hum a melody so they can remember it later like what are you what are you no, doing? no i actually wrote like tasting notes for a bunch of the wines but then other people you know um i said hey let's hook up next week um i'm gonna taste your new wine tomorrow yeah. but it was just really just checking out stuff trying a few find a few gems and then um you know then maybe follow up with them what but, were some of the gems here today well, honestly, I didn't taste it that much, but I did find a, a guy around the corner, like public radio from, um, it was Phelps, not not Joseph Phelps, the winery, but a winemaker there. He was here. Yeah. Um, I liked the Gramercy again. I want to go back. There was the um, Wilson Hammond. So there was some like cool stuff. Like I've, I've just done some of the top guys from Paso a month ago, so I didn't really focus on that. But I was just looking at stuff that I hadn't tried again. I d- the French wines I didn't really focus on because uh, I want to focus on uh, stuff in 
the U.S. right now. That's cool. So That's really cool. Yeah. How did you get pulled in a lot of different directions when you come to things like this? A couple of people came up and introduced themselves, and uh, we just started making our wines. Would oh, you mind God. tasting? Hey, I don't, I don't mind when, you know, like the older I get, the more chilled I am now. And, like, I think it's just so nice that they come over, and I want to show them respect. And, like, hey, sure, you know what? I'll go taste your wine. Mm. Like, that's... That's so cool of you. Yeah. Maybe 20 years ago, I'd be like, no, no, I'm a wine critic. <laughs> like, you know, now, now I'm like, hey, that's really nice, this guy. And he's, you know, and I tasted the wine, and I told them, yeah, I like this, this, this wine I don't like as much. It seems to have some volatile acidity. They were probably freaking out. But I was just like, hey, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. With oh my god that's what I, in fact I've so, you know. so my girl and I made one barrel of peak pool blanc right we put 24 hours yeah skin no that's contact. like nutties yeah. yeah so so I'm gonna bring it tomorrow yeah I want to try it okay I'm gonna yeah. bring you here tomorrow and I want you to be brutal okay just lay into it just whatever you think okay that's I'm where, trying that's it. listening to I'm that. giving I know yeah. right wouldn't that be fun that's yeah. good radio right I'll there. give you my my honest you will evaluation. Stop this. I love I this. promise you I love it I hope you don't cry okay no please no it's all good no I just had some great conversation with you. I'm so glad that Chris um, was able to bring you yeah. over here. This is fun. Yeah. Um, this Torn wine, this Akaja, so good. It's so juicy. Such a testament of, uh, and even when I brought you around, you're like, oh my God, Torn. Like, you, I mean, you were obviously a fan of what, yeah. what Scott's Well, we met last time and I really liked yeah. his wines because of, again, uh, along the lines of drinkability and balance. Well, I appreciate it, man. That's fun to do and it was great for Stefan to put that thing together. Yeah. I mean, he's one of my, you know, best friends from here from forever and, you know, you talk about being honest and getting, you know, good input. He was always the guy that would come over and taste barrels and wouldn't hesitate to tell you if you liked something and wouldn't he- hesitate to tell you if you didn't, you know? Yeah. And you got to appreciate that. you got to love that. Yeah. He's, and he does it in a way that that's only Stefan can do, uh-huh. you know? And can coming we- from like radio and stuff, I just love brutal honesty. Yeah. I think that tasting is also a testament of like what Paso is all about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just about camaraderie mm-hmm. and uh, that that you know, James, you you hooked up with Stefan and and yeah, the this 80s. tasting kind of came together. Yeah, and we were able to yeah. bring wines together, bring producers together, and so you could get this sense of Paso, right? Totally. But then also then and end up joining us for a launch, and I was so thrilled to be invited to be able to to come and meet you and, no, and have thanks. lunch with you and listen to your views of about Paso from from your tasting that actually wasn't actually an entirely complete at that moment in yeah. time and. That, that, that's great, and I think that's just a testament of who we are as a region, you know. Yeah. Because we we've seen that through and through, but when when we look around and and we see how we are as this wine region, everybody wants to lift every everybody else up. That's and, really and, nice. And we we I think we appreciate that of others and and, and of each other, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's great. It's a vibe really here. great vibe. Yeah. yeah, I get that. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you guys you taste wines from all over the world all the time. Yeah. You're a critic or whatever, but you're a, a fan, right? I mean, you drink wine. You're a consumer. Totally. And, you know, to come here and you, to see the people face-to-face and see that, you know, we've got each other's backs and we're here to support each other and, you know, we're all in it together. I mean, that's got to be nice for you to see as well, right? No, I would really respected that and, and it, just such a great vibe. That's why I came back down to this. Mm-hmm. It was like, whoa, I want to get back down to Paso, check out this event, you know, hang out. And it's such a uh, so much fun, and you really have a wonderful um, place with uh, really good people. And having this event here has been fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. I got into a little uh, skirmish with my girlfriend James over yeah. uh, a 2016 Old Vine Roussan from Bocastel. 
We went to taste. I know that wine. That's the chorus. Oh, That's be, the bomb. How do you call it? Via Venier or whatever? Via Vigna. Yeah, it's so that beautiful. That means old vines in French. But you realize that that's wine either you taste really young or you have to taste it after 10 years. I was just going to ask you Is that what happens? So here's what happens. So we're, we're all, yeah, any I, kind of good day that comes up, I go, babe, let's open. Because we, we did it. We got yeah. an Apple Castel. I stole a rock from the place. I confessed to Jason Haas. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when do we open this? And I, and I keep trying to get her to open it, and she keeps shutting me down. So I said to her, it was funny because I said this in the kitchen, like, well, then what if I could, uh, what if I asked like a James Suckling or so, you know, yeah. so when can I open this? And I will defer What's to you. What's the year? 16. Okay, so 16. Okay, you can open, here's the rule with wine. You can open it anytime you want. Like, people always ask, like, when should they open their wine? But you can open anytime you want because wine's good at every moment. But it's when cyclical, it's, isn't it? Yeah, but like, that's hard to get right. But what I would say with that wine, and you don't think about it, is this is a white wine that is actually masquerading as a red wine because there's tannins in it. So you need to, I would decant that two hours before. Decant it like a red wine. And it's going to be perfect. And don't serve it too cold. No, right. That's right, the mistake. No, absolutely. Serve it more that, yeah. like, like um, 65 or 67. Yeah. We'll always do like put like a, a white wine in the fridge for 20 minutes before you serve it. Yeah. And put a, or a, no, I'm sorry. Um, take, take it out 20 minutes yeah. before you serve it and put a red wine 20 minutes in. Just so red That's wine, totally we, right. We serve red wines too warm. We serve yeah. white That's wines too cold. That's the rule. Absolutely. Exactly. So um, anyways, like. Uh, it, when you are opening that, if I'm around, I'm hope I'm invited because I love yes, that you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, so tomorrow you. you're going to come back in. Taste yeah, that I'm people. tasting that with you. I can't thank you enough, Chris, for yeah. bringing over um, the one and only James Suckling. We thank have you. the one and only Scott Holly Torin is in the house. This is the way we do hospice du Rhone. And thanks for uh, sharing where wine takes you. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thanks. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by We pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees It will simplify good company Wow, what a great conversation Thanks to the one and only James Suckling Also, Scott Holly from Torn Wine As well as Chris Toronto of Paso Wine now stick around for the end of the episode. A little teaser here. I did meet up with James Suckling again the next day. He did taste my wine, and he's going to give us his opinion on it. You don't want to miss this. It's like a five-minute little nugget. It's going to be at the end of today's show. Okay, so on to our next conversation. MJ Taller, the black wine guy experience. Met MJ last year. Really hit it off. He started his podcast around the same time we did here. He's cranking them out, doing a great job. He actually had on Gary V a few weeks back. I'd love to get Gary V on here. Uh, we've been keeping in contact with MJ throughout the year with hopes when he got back in town, thinking it would be a great opportunity to collab with him. So he got off the airplane, did that quintessential in and out stop, got his double double animal style. And because uh, he flew into slow, we met at my friend Josh Clapper's winery called Tambor. Josh is a great guy. His wine is fantastic. His story is really good, too. He's not in Paso, actually. He's in San Luis Obispo. Gets his fruit from all over. Great vineyards. But if you want to know more, hit me up. I'm happy to share. He was nice enough to open up his barrel room so we could record since I live so close to him. It's also close to the radio station. So it just worked out. MJ's flying into San Luis Obispo. So it was perfect. Also here with us, Jeremy Leffert. 
friend of MJ, also friend of the show here. We've known Jeremy a long time, winemaker for Tooth and Nail. I meet MJ's producer too, Lonnie, and we talked for an hour and a half at least. So this is really just the meat of my conversation with MJ. Loved having him out here and seeing and really feeling because with this guy, you can feel this guy's excitement and enthusiasm, which is cool. All right, I'm ready to be silly. Yeah. Right, cheers. Cheers. What up? It's your boy, MJ. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I take your opening line? I know. Damn. Damn. Now I can't say it the same Damn. way. No juice. It's good to have you here, man. Welcome to California. Yo, what's up? It is your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. Oh, no, it's not my podcast, per Yeah, se. I was almost going to come to like, hey, what up? It's your boy, Adam Montiel. Welcome to the Black that Wine Guy been Podcast. <laughs> hey, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, the official podcast of Paso Wine Country. Yeah. I'm out here. We're not in Paso proper, but I'm here with my man, Adam Montiel. Um, we got a couple of winemakers here with us. It's going to be fun, dude. I'm really excited that you're out here. The first time I met you was through Jeremy Lefford. Also, Josh Clapper, who was nice enough to lend us his space. We are in San Luis Obispo. We got a Hospice to Rome coming up and with so much great wine all around us. And Josh, literally, his winery is 90 seconds from my house and 90 seconds from the radio station. So it made for a perfect place. And he's uh, so kind, always so kind enough to like lend himself. So thank you, Josh. But MJ, man, back in California, you feeling it or what? Hey, man, listen, California is like my it's like my spiritual home i don't know if it's my spiritual home but like you're gonna have a lot of people at home being pissed at you know nah fuck them um <laughs> they know i don't like jersey i mean you know um it's like that thing there's an expression like a prophet in his own home own land is a fool so just like when i came out to california back in uh 99 to the central coast actually i was telling jeremy like, to the central coast classic so you know pismo oh Adelgate. central coast wine classic central coast wine archie classic. mclaren yeah archie oh my McLaren. legend oh my god horse him up for him yes oh my god yeah. um that was my first time ever coming to california i was 30 years old and i remember getting off the plane in santa barbara and i was just like just like i felt like the energy i was like ah oh. and i moved out like three months later yeah um oh, you moved out here yeah i lived out i lived out in um santa barbara for basically 10 years oh man okay yeah I had a little dip back and forth, but uh, moved out in 99, went back for a few months, and I did it the right time. I went like back in November, so I was like, by January, I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here, um, and uh, then came back. So yeah, um, yeah, I love, you know, people always like, why do you like so much Central Coast wine so much? I'm like, because that's like my wine home. It's the wine country I lived in. How do you connect with all this wine back there? Obviously, it's easy with you know virtual this and that. I know you have a lot of guests on the podcast that come into the studio and, and chat with you. Is, is it just kind of, hey, like, send me some wine. We'll chat about you. How are you connecting and getting this wine into your place? Um, you know... I mean, fuck. The pandemic was very good to me. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, because remember you said when we first met, it was yeah. kind of in the thick of things. Yeah, and this is when you were kind of just on the come up, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I came out last April, almost a year ago. So fucking, it was Easter. Yeah, weekend. and um, I mean, I think we had only done like twenty some. We had we had like twenty some odd episodes, if that. We mm-hmm. were like in the teens, and uh, but I lost my job, which was awesome. Um, got a little severance. What were you into? Oh, I worked for a nonprofit. Which I hated, um, but I, I I was doing good work. So I worked for a program that helped kids in the inner city, like like Gary. I'm talking Gary, Indiana, Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, went to his house when I was out there. One really? Time. No way. Yeah, um, Newark, New Jersey, uh, New Haven, Connecticut, which is seriously a depressed town. People think Yale, but then New Haven is like if it weren't for 
uh, Yale, New Haven would be Gary, Indiana. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I just started the podcast cause I met, you know, podcast basically came out of Instagram, came out of social. This podcast started somewhat during the pandemic. Well, it was a June of 20. Okay. And you're right. I mean, a lot of people, they want to travel. They can't. They want to go out and eat. They can't shoot. In some places in Southern California, you want to go run at the beach, you can't. I mean, it got pretty crazy. And uh, it was actually a great time to birth something like this. Yeah, it? it was perfect. And and to your point, what happened was um, I, I, had, I was kind of goofing when I started the Black Wine Guy account. You know, I was really kind of throwing shade at influencers. And then... Um, like it was a little tongue-in-cheek. It was definitely tongue-in-cheek. But it was also at a time when, I mean, that chat was heavy. I mean, we're talking June 20, George Floyd. Well, I that's mean, what that's what happened. So I had started it like in 2017. Never saw my face. Yeah. But it was after George Floyd. Um, and that's where I met my producer, Lonnie, because uh, someone she had worked with was used to do these uh, day-drinking talks. And she, God bless. And love she, them. Yeah. And she, uh, <laughs> we're day-drinking right now. Right, Ching-ching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so uh, she wanted to have me on, uh, like you said, in the conversation of what it was like to be a black wine professional. And I was like, eh, I don't really have like those kind of stories because like I started at the top. Now I'm at the bottom. That was my actually I started at Acker Wines, which is like now the top auction house. And um, also, don't you want to be and, and forgive me. For, I don't want to word this. No, no. Don't you want to be. The best wine professional. That, that, that's not that, the best black that, wine professional. That is that is, and that's also the tongue in cheek with the black wine guy. Yeah. Because I remember when I moved out here, it was like um, people like political. Like you should not no, denigrate people or use racial slurs. But like literally, they used. To, I'd go to a wine taste and they'd be like, "There was a guy. Um, he's from New York. <laughs> he's five foot nine, hundred seventy five pounds. <laughs> he wears glasses. I think he went to law school." Motherfucker, I'm black. Just yeah, yeah. Like, like there was one black guy there. Just yeah, say, yeah, yeah. who's the black guy to taste? And I wouldn't be pissed off. Let's just cut to the taste. You know, right? So, 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 and I've said this a lot on my po- my own podcast. Like, um, I'm just trying to have the best podcast, not the black best black wine. Yeah. Podcast. Um, black wine guys, kind of tongue in cheek. I, I, you know, I, I know. I think that's great. I, I love that about yeah, you. Yeah, I know who I am. I'm just I'm in this game to win, and and to uh, bring people together. And I think once we can just just like okay. That's it. Okay, you're black. Okay, we're done. What do we like? What, what what do we have in common? I can't tell you how many like badass winemakers that happen to be women are so over the cliche of like women yeah. and wine. Like, oh my gosh, I have a vagina. I can make wine too. Yeah. It's like what? Like, yeah. no. I mean, you're you're an incredible, world renowned winemaker. You know, I I have had a lot of powerful women on my podcast, and when I I, I hear these stories, like I had this one. Actually, she didn't come on, but I went out to dinner. You know, because people once the podcast started blowing, people were like, oh, you know, try my wine. We take you to dinner. I have some people who go for your podcast. Sucks, and, huh? Yeah, it does suck. It's rough. My <laughs> wife's like, my wife's like, ah, you're out. I'm like, tastings and dinners. That's the gig, you know. Um, <laughs> but this woman was like saying how, like in like the '80s, like Frederick Wildman, which is a huge importer. Like she's like 60 to 70 percent of the salespeople were women. And mm-hmm. like, so there is. Listen, things have changed, but I think also there's always been women in this game. It's been hard, but like we've interviewed. A winemaker from Burgundy who's like uh, Eva Ray who's like you know she used being a woman to her advantage she's like I would go and ask the winemakers in Burgundy and they would you know like mm-hmm. if it had been a man they'd have been competitive like and she let them think she was like this naive little girl but yeah. but I mean I mean I mean you go back look in California Heidi Barrett Helen Turley list goes on and on and on like you know so it's not I it, it, I think we need to look for what has already happened and build on it instead of trying to 
tear down things that that are uh, you know I don't think are inherently biased or ra- not inherently not 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 was it yeah not systemically systemically yeah sure because yeah. I say this all I say this all the time like when people talk about NBA players um, you know and how it's great it is great but but listen those are just rich males if you break it down. They happen to play basketball, be tall, and most of them happen to be black. But, like, you know, how do you get a winery in Napa? You have fucking tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, are we really looking at things as they are? Well, this is true. We we look at things how we want to see them, not as how they can actually. Sure, right. So, um, I think that uh, it is exciting, though. But I did, it did, I'm not going to lie, that that count George Floyd also catapulted me because then, like, I. I did my first video, um, and it wasn't about George Floyd. I think my only post about George Floyd was I found a story about Mr. Rogers, a story about Mr. Rogers washing his mailman's feet, and this was during the riots. Like Jesus, the, yeah, exactly. Well, he was a he was a pastor. Yeah, Mr. Rogers was dope, and he was oh, he, he, man, was, he was he was trying he was trying he was telling everybody, look, Land we're just equal. Exactly. And, oh Come my on. gosh, I've always wanted a neighbor. Yeah, right, just, just like you. <laughs> And he'd do that sweater change. Yeah, he'd the sweater, and he'd wear the rock the he fucking kids. Oh, for real? Yeah, the kids, and you tie and lace them up. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, there's so many different ways to be a woman, to be black, to be Latina, to be Latina. Um, so I think there's a, is a danger in saying this is the way it should be, and this is how you're supposed to be. Yeah. And right. if you're going to be in this, and you know, so that's all I'm saying. I think there. are very many ways to be who you are. We're all unique individuals. You know, you're right. I love the idea of having conversations that have probably been, you know, needing to be had for a long time. I love the idea of, you know, giving a voice to some underrepresented folks, no matter what collective we might identify with here or there, to be you. Be you. Right. Be you. I mean, that's what everybody says. I mean, do you. I mean, yeah. that's like a, that's a common theme in hip hop is do you, right? So where'd you grow up? I grew up. At the Jersey Shore, and not the fucked up one you've seen on MTV. I yeah. mean, the real. There's um, a nice one? The, the, the Jersey Shore. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, this motherfucker's from California. Where'd you grow up? <laughs> I'll, I'll answer all your questions. Yeah, soon. You, <laughs> I grew up in the Gore Hills, just like Northern oh, LA. Oh, County. okay. I know, yeah. I know what Gore Hills is. I lived here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, the Jersey Shore, some beautiful beaches. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and swimmable, unlike the water here in California. Why? Because um, it's too cold? Too fucking cold. The water here is. Are you kidding me? That water comes down from fucking Alaska, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, growing up in Southern California, we swam in the water all the time. Here, it's probably a good 15 degrees cooler yeah, yeah. than it is, say, in, you know, right when you, just north of Santa Barbara, you get to, I'm sure Jeremy's familiar, like Halama Beach, things like that. Once you're north of the Halama, it's it's cold. I lived in Santa Barbara for like 10 years. That water was pretty free, unless it was like an yeah. unseasonably hot day. I wasn't getting in the it water. It was too cold. Yeah. So that water's warm over there? Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's warm. You got man. waves? Dude, do you know the original Ron John is on the East Coast? The the polyurethane skateboard wheel, East Coast brought all that shit forth. Really? Man. Yes, serious surf culture. And he, and Kelly Slater's from Florida, right? Yeah. yeah, he's from fucking Florida. But you don't think of New Jersey when you're talking oh, serious man. surf dude, culture. Dude, 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 listen, hurricanes. The best time to surf in, in Jersey is a hurricane season, October, September. Yeah. Tasty, tasty waves. Bro. We don't get those in California. The best time is to surf right after an earthquake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Catch the ride the tsunami. Right, yeah, ride the tsunami. Oh my gosh! So you grew up there, and then what? You um, what, what about school? And yeah. then how'd you get into? The I was line? an athlete at first, so I went to. I just went to college so I could keep athleting. You know, mm-hmm. I ran track, so I was a runner. Um, so I run? Nah, I can't stand that shit anymore. Yeah. Then I went to, I ended up transferring to uh, Southern Connecticut, which is in New Haven, and I majored in communications, right? So I've always been uh, vocal. You know, my mom was very, very funny. 
She was hilarious, and um, she was also really religious. She was your witness, so I knew how to she read. Was your when I, witness, yeah, okay. I knew how to read when I was four. I used to have to knock on doors and shit. Sure. Um, so I was used to speaking publicly. Um, so I think I just majored it because I knew it'd be easy. Were you always real like gregarious and talking to people, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, look at that!" You know, I kind of, kind of, kind of once I knew, but I was, I was, I was a little bit shy. Believe it or not, really, I'm kind of, sh- I'm actually. I'm really introverted, and I think people don't understand. Uh, people think because just because you, I could have a podcast and I could do videos that I'm extroverted. But like I, I'm a really internal person, you know. But I mean, we all are a little bit. But in the real, I mean, I saw you when I first met you at Jeremy's place up at Tooth and Nail last time. I mean, you work a oh, room. I know how to work the room, yeah, bro. Right? So yeah, I'm saying, I mean, like, and I love people, and and, and I think I, sometimes extroverted people kind of like like calling themselves introverted. No, I think that I I, I could see that. I, I, they do. I, I don't know why. No, but. If if you really knew me, yeah. <laughs> isn't that isn't that like a drinking game? If you really, yeah, knew yeah, me, yeah. <laughs> um, my mother was definitely. I got that from my mom. I watched my mom. She's yeah. funny. She she was working a room for no reason. She just loved people. Oh, you know, she's um, still around. No, she passed away. Oh, and uh, and like I remember, like my mom had like four or five hundred people at her funeral. Right? Like <sighs> she had she had my mother had people whose doors she used to knock on. <laughs> As a Joe Witness, come to her funeral. Like, they never, like, came to church with her or anything, but, like, they just, my mom made them feel good. Right, so I, I love that. I remember when when you have those moments, you get to learn about stuff about your mom that you never knew. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I grew up. And, and and so close with your mom. Ah, you know, I will, This is the first time I'm saying this because this is fun. This is mm-hmm. a good interview. It's a good t- conversation. That's what, I, that's what I do, bro. I know you like you like you're like the 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 Latino West Coast <laughs> version of me. You get you get the stories. All right, go ahead. Tell me what you're going to say now. Um, that um, when my mom, like me and my mom, used to. Fight, yeah. right? Like not fight, but we, we we like we were, and like I remember when when she passed, I was telling telling my wife, I was like, "Yo, um, my mom was, she was not even my best friend, even better, she was my nemesis, right? Like like super like like we, I, it was like who like knows I, you like mom, right? Who knows you like mom? Like she knew every every fucking move, and I was like, and, and I'm, I'm like, no, I wasn't gonna do that, <laughs> and she knew I was gonna do it, and so like it's been it's been a trip because like I like didn't realize my mom was my best friend. You know, and that's a really uh, cool story. Yeah, and and uh, but totally like a nemesis. Like we just used to go at it. And then you get into wine auctions. Is that right? Yeah. So I mean, are you, you like an auctioneer? Yeah. Like, I, hey, like that. I, I did go to. How much would you give me for it? I got a fine bottle of Destinata Grand Rosé Grenache, and you know, I went to. That's the best school I went to. I went to the Harvard of auctioneering schools. The Missouri. There is actually auctioneering schools. Yeah, for sure. I've heard about them. St. Joseph's, Missouri. And they call it, it's uh, called the Missouri Auction School. It's called the Harvard of Auctioneering Schools. And like, I'm out there, I'm like 29 years old, dreadlocks, you know, um, from New York City, going to Missouri. And like, everybody else there is like to auction off steers and yeah, cattle. Right, 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 sure. And maybe the, the one off yeah. estate sale uh-huh. when, when Miss Johnson dies and we're going to put all our stuff, you know. And they were like, wine auctions. Any money in that? I'm like fucking two million dollars, and this is like early. I was like, you can make two million dollars in a day in a wide auction. Like, <gasps> you know, now, auction. Is, I what I'll do is I'll host for auctioneers and events that will want me to host their event. They'll often ask me to do an auction, and I say, no. Look, you really need to get an auctioneer because not only is it a better presentation, but you will secure more money, and that's the idea, right? right. So there have been events where I'll even take, hey, I'll take because I can't do that. I don't want to do that because I want you to get a real auctioneer. There's a couple auctioneers locally that I have a good relationship. 
him with, I'll do gigs with. Man, you and I would kill him. Yeah, I know. Totally. And I, I don't know. Do you take a percentage of it? Do you stick yeah, a the flat auction, fee? The auction, it, depends. it depends. Some auctioneers take a percentage. Yeah. And then others will take a flat fee. I think I think the the smart move, depending on who you're auctioning for. Or how good you are. Yeah, how good you are. I mean, well, I mean, shit. I mean, wine auctions, I mean, you can be good, but the reality, wine auctions are a different beast. People either want the fucking wine or they don't, man. Yeah. It's, it's got nothing to do with you. And so, like, if you I... You really can't pull it out of them? Nah, I mean, you can... All you want to get at an auction, you want two guys bidding over the same fucking wine. Yeah. That's that's all it takes. It, I mean, look, look, we got, we got, a, we got, we have a, we have a 12 bottles, Chateau Petrus, 1982, Original wooden case. That's all you got to fucking say. Whoever yeah. wants it is gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna. You know. Bid uh-huh. on it. Um, now there is personality that you bring sure. into it that I think would, that can amp the crowd up. You want to win an auction fever, but essentially, like you know, if you're going to an auction at like an Acker or a Christie's or Sotheby's and it's gonna be twenty million, take a fucking cut of the percentage, man. Right. Like, like you know, yeah. you know, don't don't be like, I'll take twenty thousand dollars. Fuck that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's so interesting. The wine auction. Yeah. What do you like about Paso? Oh man, pa- I, I, my man Eric Booker said it. Paso's the shit. I love, I love the the laid back vibe. He said, Paso's the shit. He's like, he's like, yeah. dude, Paso's, <laughs> Eric Jensen, like, yeah, Paso's the shit, man. Yeah. You know it. Um, but it's just, it's a place where I think. You know, when you do this thing, like particularly my podcast, I don't know people. Some people are like, ah, why are you ragging on Napa Valley? I'm like, dude, I'm not ragging on him. If, if a guest comes on who was a winemaker at a cult winery and says the price is Napa Valley out of control, I'm not going to disagree with him because if you look at it, you know, yeah, Paso's still like the land of opportunity in California. If someone was telling me the other day, like uh, big Napa wineries are coming down here to buy wine. I mean, and you got and you had on your podcast. Well, they've been getting like Zinfandel and Cabernet from us for for decades. Years. Yeah, for decades. Yeah. Fucking Pazenti, right? Oh, my God. Well, sure. I mean, Zin has been going up to Napa for forever, but yeah. Cab has been going up to Napa forever. Well, that's another thing, too. I think people need to understand at, in the wine game is that, you know, there's more Cabernet under uh, Vine in Paso Robles than any other varietal and in California. And it's the single most – because it's a huge AVA. You, you know? seem to build, like, really tight relationships with people in Paso. Has the, has the relationship building been more – Organic and holistic and passive than say some of the other areas that maybe you've had. You know, oh, I, I would. To. I would definitely say you know uh, the pandemic changed things. People like Paso just showed me a ton of love, um, and it was very organic. Like I don't, you know, I, and I say again, going back to my mom, um, you know, uh, I have an ability, God given, to connect with people, and uh, people just gravitated towards what I was doing. And how I was doing it, and I'm just, and I think this thing, I'm just being, when people are like, I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm just fucking being me, man. That, that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it, you know. I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm the guy who who's going to drop f bombs at the wine tasting. I don't give a shit. I don't know if I've hogged or led the conversation. No, much, I, th- it's, I think it's just a conversation. It's great. That's what that's kind of what I like to do. But if you have any questions, yeah, go ahead. Where, so you, where did you grow up? Agora Hills. Agora Hills. Yeah, just the, the northernmost town of LA County. And then what did you did you what did you major in college cuz you've been in radio for a minute right so what did you I major? went to school for a little bit and okay. started talking and started like looking into like communications and took radio and media classes and then I got my first full-time radio gig while I was in school and I left I so mean, I, I don't have a four year degree I will tell you I love that that's been, been like I'm Gary V in it there Yeah no I I <laughs> I, I kind of dig that I'm way over educated and that fucking shit just cost me $120,000 uh, to pay that those defaulted student loans off, so I'm not mad at anybody who can figure out what they want to do and just go do it because 
you know, being black, like, you're like, you're like you got to go to, like, fuck, that's it, man. Mm-hmm. Cosby shows on TV and no, shit. Oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to, this is how it's done. You know, mm-hmm. my father worked at the post office, right? I knew I wasn't going to do that. Not, got, and that post office gave me a good life, gave me a middle class life. You're right. So I'm not denigrating it, but like, when I, you know, because I'm 50, I'll be 54. Like, I was full on in, you got to go to college. Like, that was the path. And then I went to law school, dropped out after six weeks, went back. Finished the first year. Was going to drop out again to go work in film. And then, like, uh, let me go back. Like, there was this fear. But so now I'm glad there was a different conversation. Can you do the job? Right? Saying yes to everything. Yep. Being in the right place at the right time. Yep. It's also a business. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yep. And then as it slowly progresses, you, you can work your way up and hustle your way up. To your point, yeah. It is. like, And this is what this was really freaked me out, Adam. Not freaked me out, but, like, it was so fucking telling because i said i worked for that nonprofit that was uh helping kids go to college that was their whole thing it was just actually to get kids into college and i remember i had a guest speaker coming one time and, and he was he was he was a black man and he had went to um he had went to columbia undergrad and he went to harvard for law school just like another very successful black man uh we, you might have heard of barack obama mm-hmm. and i think he was i think he was a one l when they were three l's at harvard but anyway so this guy went to columbia and Harvard, and he told my kids every job I ever got was because I knew somebody. We said this before. It's networking. It's building relationships, right? People like to work with and be around people that they like. That's yeah. a bottom line. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with a piece of paper. Yeah. So, yeah. so back to you, though. So I love that you – so how did you get on air? The guy who was kind of mentoring me was like, look, if you need anything, you need an air check. And to get on the air, you need to just find someone who's going to put you on the air. And CLU, Calhoun University, has an NPR station. And they were looking for volunteers to host like a jazz show right before All Things Considered. So I okay. went in for that. And I was hosting, like, here I am hosting, like, you know, here's Stan Getz on, you know, <laughs> Stan Getz on the sax. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm, like, hosting music right before. And now it's time for All Things Considered. And that was literally the first time that I was on the air. Then later on, I worked at a contemporary Christian radio station hosting uh, music. And then I went to uh, a secular station that moved to the Central Coast. And then just and then later on, got my own morning show up in Adam in the morning, which I do now. But that's it, right? Like it's, it's it's repetition, right? Like you you just put in the work, and I and I think that's something I never got. Like I literally going back to me, sorry, um, but I thought I was gonna have these pieces of paper and just and like the heavens would part. I thought I was gonna be like Pulp Fiction when they would open that case, they wouldn't show, but just oh, like the all, like just the golden yeah. light was just gonna come out, right? And I like that, yeah. But like, um, and and all the while ignoring the gifts I had, right? So. With you, though, you got, like I said, you got a great voice. Like, did you know that? Like, there's someone at the radio station, like, like, did you, like... I was always really insecure about my voice, and I knew that I could probably maybe do something when I was a freshman in high school, and I was in a speech class. And a speech class was kind of like a throwaway class that a lot of seniors took right. as an elective. I was really excited about it, and I got into the class. I was the only freshman. It was all seniors. And then in that class, I won best voice. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, damn, maybe they're... So then I started looking, like, oh, maybe I can do something and put myself 
out there and not be too intimidated by it. We met in Paso Robles last year. Yeah. And uh, you have a, a wonderful wine podcast, and it's called Where the Wine Takes You? Where Wine Takes You. Where Wine Takes You. Yes. How did that come about, man? So I've, um, during COVID, I wanted to do a podcast, and I started my own podcast right at the beginning of COVID. I was down to do whatever, and that's how it kind of went down. Joel was like, let's do one. We'll talk about Paso Wine, and I mean, it's just been such an amazing ride. We've been stoked. It's been incredible. So Adam is one of those guys who's a DTP. Down to podcast. <laughs> you ever see him in the club? Watch out. Right. No. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And, and the one you did, Mark Adams from Ledge, I remember the first one, and he's just another just – I think you asked this before. People in Paso Robles are just – they keep it real. They're 100. Yeah. down to earth. You no, know, the people here are, are definitely different. They're definitely incredible yeah. and like open hearts, open minds, open sellers, all yeah. of it. So, um, but If I come to New York, are, you, are we going to get on – are we going to bring me into the, the podcast or what? Yeah, of course, motherfucker. Are we going to hang out? You got Dude. some spots to bring me to? <laughs> listen to I want to listen to some live music. Tell, I want to hit, tell, I hit tell, up some tell, wine bars. Dude. Um, give that's give it to Lonnie real quick. I want. I want to that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's kind of. Just crazy. for a second, Lonnie. I want to meet you real quick. That's kind of crazy because, um, like, since the podcast, like, we've been out. Like, we get. I get invited to shit, man. Like, it's kind of crazy. Watch that cord, Lonnie. See where it's not on your boom. There you go, girl. Okay. There you go. All right. Let's talk you and I for a minute. Hi. Wow. MJ's going to leave the table. How do you oh. How do you deal with this guy? What is I mean, going on? you know, it takes a lot of wine. <laughs> You're in the right place. <laughs> No, I want to. You know, I I feel like I want to tell anyone who wants to work in media. Like, if your if your dream isn't, well, I like her do, voice. She got a good voice. Of I like her voice yeah. a lot. Thank you. Yeah. If, Let me see. Let me get that uh, mic a little bit fixed so I can get a little bit more of it. There you if go. your dream isn't to do a wine podcast. Something's wrong. Like now that we know that wine podcasts exist, right? Now that you know that and are viable, let's go. Yeah, like this is kind of a dream job, and um, we have four women that work on this team. All no, I got a woke podcast. Yeah, you, got you me, woke? I'm, I'm black. No, I'm not woke, but I'm black. <laughs> He's not. And, 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 and I got like I got Lonnie, Ronnie, Rachel, and Glow. Yeah. So do you guys do other podcasts too? I mean, you can't make all this money off of one. Oh no, MJ brings it. Really? Yeah, no, she doesn't. She does actually work. She does a lot of. Yeah. She just did a big campaign for a winery that shall remain nameless, but it was a big campaign, yeah. big bucks. She did. She did some work for Patron. Yeah. She does. She'll she'll go do a, set up a real estate shoot in Texas with some people or Florida. Yeah. She doesn't really like her from Texas, um, so she works. Necessary media. We do everything. We do lifestyle photography, uh, video, podcasts, whatever you. Whatever you need for your brand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, this has been amazing working with MJ, seeing all this. I now have wine coming in. I'm constantly <laughs> buying wine. It's like a bad habit. Oh, for sure. Right? Can, no one talks about this. Oh, yeah. The residual habit of being like, oh, 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 wait, I need that. Yeah. It's so fun to do something that you love to do and doesn't feel it's like a, work. I think wine is, you know, for me, whatever, I, I started off doing um, lifestyle television for Travel Channel and, you know, we would go somewhere and we would explore and we would like, oh, this is the best restaurant, this is the best roller coaster, this is the best. So it was awesome to kind of show everybody the best and you would get kind of a master's degree in whatever your show was, right? So if I did a show about roller coasters for six months and I like knew everything about, you know, G4 forces and you know and it's kind of and so now that's what's happening with wine but wine is just it's history it's so much and i have to say you know mj i saw mj randomly on an old client of mine's 
uh, IG Live, and there is an it factor. You have the it factor. Do you I? Have, yeah. Lonnie, oh, I mean, I've been Lonnie, sitting here this whole me. time. I'm really? Just, I have to tell Go you. Go ahead. As a producer, you don't like. I don't want to work harder. I want someone who already comes with it, and then I can write whatever you need to say to camera, or I can like format a show for you, or we can talk. You know, but you already have it. If I'm like for, hired on a show, and and this is the host, and the host is just doesn't have it. It's work. But with you guys, both of you, you have the it. You actively listen. So if MJ says something, you you didn't just go for the next question. Like, really, I can tell that you care. Yeah. yeah. And you're actively curious. Like, you're not faking it. No. You're not like, oh, good. Right. You're like, holy shit, what can I ask this person? I'm really into this. Yeah. And that's what it, you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. And then you also just have this energy where I want to talk to you because no one has gotten me on a mic. So I know I'm, I was thinking down. I was like, this is so fucking. Dope. <laughs> I don't do this. But, I actually but, but don't you know do what? this. This is so dope. I've said this before. There's no fucking podcast without Lonnie and necessarily me. And it just started with me and her, and then it's just grown. And she had to bring on. And she just kept. She had to keep. Her, she had to hire four more fucking yeah, producers because yeah. of the because I like I said I'm, I'm a beast. I'm going. I got nothing else to do. But also, and you could, you would appreciate this. I think it's some, to some degree, like with your talent, you know, you're not going to just work with any producer. Right. Well, we so went through that. As, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like MJ's not going to just work with anybody. So like when I had, I was like, okay, so MJ, you know, the rest of my company needs me and, and you're just cranking out shows and like, I got to bring in someone else and I, you know, hosts get very like, oh, I don't want well, to I, was, I, was like, I was like, I was like, I don't like anybody. I was Ugh. like, I was like, and I'm just typically, you know, um, this is my California. I'm a cancer monster. Monkey, so like, eh, kind of bit of a know-it-all, but not really. Like, eh. But I got, I matched him. She and- did. Is she that did. an astrological thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you? Uh, Aquarius. <gasps> oh, I'm a Gemini. Yeah. We're both air signs. Is that right? Yeah. The newspaper just said entertainment purposes only. There's something no. real. To- no, it's real. Is I, it really? I would tell okay. you. I mean, see, the, <laughs> see, this is one of my tangents. So, so like I said before, what do we have all in common? We all live on this planet that's spinning around. Yeah. Inside of a cosmos with other planets spinning around. We have high tide. We have low tide. Why would that not affect us? Right, right. That's Certain all. things look, have these. We still have our choice, but 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 why? Yeah. But there is there is there is a. You want to be aware of like your decision, and it can help you be aware of like. So it can no, be a slice of the pie, exactly, along with all right. of it, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I can yeah. buy into that. Yeah. I'll yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll do so, that. Well, I definitely like Lonnie. I want to have you do some voiceovers for like. I mean, we need. I want to ask. I want to geek out and ask a road coaster. I'm totally. Oh, the roadcaster. Okay, we'll talk about. I'm totally psyched that you got her on the mic because. Because she, uh, she, she. Is I want to know what it's like to wrangle you in. That's what I want. Okay, about. so MD is amazing. <laughs> Think so, we're going to do a collab <laughs> podcast from East and West Coast? Can we just, oh my God, this is. I need you in New York. This is too good. This we is need too you good. at Gotham. We are wrapping up. We, um, I know you got dinner reservations. We got Hospice to Rome this weekend. We're going to connect again. In fact, I'm doing a show at Hospice to Rome. I want you to I'm, jump I'm on the air with me, by. Josh. Man, thanks for this inviting great, me to Josh. your winery, man, and letting us do this shit here. You're a cool cat, man. I'll be back. Oh, it's my pleasure. Love you, brother. Yeah. Yo, it's your boy, MJ. <laughs> and, and I'm Adam Montiel. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, dude. To where wine takes him, my man. <laughs> hey, are you guys going to help clean up? Is that... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> you better call Saul. <laughs> nice. Give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company.
awesome. Thanks so much to MJ Taller. And you can check out his podcast, The Black Wine Guy Experience, wherever you catch your podcasts. All right. So what did James Suckling say about my wine? You ready for this? I have it here. First, let me tell you about Wine Fest, May 19th through 22nd, all new venue, free and ample parking as we're at the Paso Robles Event Center now, which is so cool. A hundred plus wineries, live music. It's going to be incredible. It's one of the big weekends here in Paso. All the wineries are celebrating. So if you are coming to town for Wine Fest, you are in for a time you won't ever forget. If you have not got your tickets yet, go to PasoWine.com. And while you're checking out, use the promo code WWTY22. You'll save 20 bucks off per ticket. So use that promo code WWTY for where wine takes you. WWTY22 and check out and save some scratch on those tickets. And I can't wait to see you there. I'll be broadcasting live on the Crush 92.5 from Paso Wine Fest. And I just can't wait. I cannot wait. PasoWine.com. Okay, back to HDR. Hospice Duone, an acclaimed wine critic, James Suckling, tasting my wine. Let's go. Cheers. I'm James Suckling, and this... This is my master class. <laughs> Adam, like, it's so cool to taste your wine. Are you kidding me? This is so much fun. We had so much fun. I met you yesterday, but there was just such an openness about you that I thought, well, you know, I, you'll give it to me real, and you know you're yeah. not going to hurt my feelings. Well, th- I'll try not to, but <laughs> you, 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 it, it, like, I don't understand. It could be really good. Who knows? Yeah, so so I'm I'm gonna have to do the interview a little bit here. So why in the world did you decide to make your own wine? Because, kind of the same reason why I wanted to get into a wine show. It's like I, I fell in love with wine, and I wanted to combine my love for radio and wine. That's where we got the wine show and now the podcast. But then meeting all these people, it's just a part of you goes like, I want to try it. I just want to try it, you know? Yeah. So we got literally a half ton of Peak Pool Blanc from Halter Ranch. They had literally cut off all the other Peak Pool that they were selling because they were starting to ramp up production on a, a sparkling that they were going to do. Yeah. And Lucas Pope at the time who was doing their vineyards just let me purchase a half ton. And we made a barrel. Picpo Blanc. A little bit of skin contact, very little, 24 hours. And why why Picpo? Just by chance? Or what was the... Kind of. I mean, we wanted to do a white with a little skin contact. Uh-huh. Just to kind of, you know, some white tannins, some phenolics. Let some get a photo of Some mouthfeel. And uh, so that's why we did it. And then because it became available, shoot, let's do it. And we had some great help with like Valia, Desperada. And but did you, did you know that there's not many great peak pool in the world? Yeah, I mean, I know it was one of those even lesser familiar grapes. Yeah. A lot of people aren't familiar like with Like it's all from the, mostly the Languedoc. They use a tiny bit amount in, um, in Chateauneuf. But it's a blend it's, for acid, probably. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's, it's really cool. Honestly... You know, I don't know why you were afraid. You thought that I wasn't going to like it. But I just kind of wanted to open myself. Like, you're not going to yeah. hurt feelings. Because no. a lot of people want you to taste their stuff. Look, I know I'm a broadcaster by trade. I love wine. So y- y- there's really no feelings to hurt. And I thought, because you were so open yesterday in our conversation, like, you'll just give it to me. And, I'm, and I thought it'd be really exciting. Okay, well, here's the first thing. Go ahead. About your white. I could easily finish the bottle. So... That's, that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, and when I rate wines, like I think I said yesterday, 
But a number one thing, and people forget, like, to give 90 points, it has to be a wine that you want to finish at least a glass or two. Yeah. And it's real basic. You know, people talk about points, and, and you know, some people love them, some people hate them. But when I'm giving points and when my team is, we're always thinking about just being consumers. And I really uh, like the uh, freshness to this. It has really zingy, zesty acidity. Lots of like lemon zest and some tropical fruit like um, green mangoes. And then because of that skin contact, it has, a, it has a, a really interesting texture where it's almost oily, but then fresh at the same time. So you must be really stoked. Like, don't get any ideas that you're a serious winemaker. I don't. Believe me, I don't. I, that was a joke. No, but of course <laughs> I mean, I, But it did get, it got picked up at Ember, which is a pretty yeah. it's an incredible restaurant here. I'm not so, surprised. Yeah, so that's, that's Wait, pretty hold cool. Hold on. You're, this is 18. Are you going to make some more? I do want to. I want to make some in 22. Okay. I almost want, I don't know if I want to do some Roussan. I would love to do a white again. She wants to do a red now. I kind of want to do a, I'm, I'm impatient, so I know that I can enjoy a white quicker. Yeah, totally. And, and I love whites. And actually, uh, I don't know if this, so you've never made any other wine than this. This was. Correct. Fr- yeah, because um, it's so good. You have, a, I think you have a real knack for it. Wow, that could be something, huh? Yeah. Oh, right. Audrey's going to be so excited to hear that. Yeah, really, congratulations. And uh, honestly, I just swallowed it. You know, I just drank some. I, it's exactly what I needed, all these uh, reds right now. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That yeah. means so much. Okay, brother. Like, Appreciate you. Like, I know. We'll stay in touch. Tell me. We definitely got to stay in touch. Yeah. You're, you're probably like wrapping up here. Or are you going to do a couple, fit up a couple more tasting or what? Yeah, I'm going to um, taste a couple more things that I told people that I would go and taste. But honestly, it's been two days. It feels like I've been here a week. I know. Like so much tasting, so much fun. But yeah, it takes a lot of energy. Next time I'm bringing a coffee machine with me. <laughs> Dude, you're, this is really crazy. No one makes a Picpoul Blanc like this in California. Oh, that makes me yeah. feel so good. Now, not to quote you or put this where I would like ever like use it for publication, but if you were, and not even to zero you in on a number, but if you were going to give it a little range, could you even possibly range this right now? Yeah, what would, do you think? I would give it 90 to 92. Okay. So Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Duh. 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 That's really good. <laughs> Dude, we got to connect again. I yeah. had such a fun yeah. rapport with you yesterday. My pleasure. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. You have my number, right? I don't, but we'll get okay, it after I'll this. It yeah. Cheers, okay. my man. Thank okay, you very brother, much thanks. for sharing. Well done. Please don't give up your winemaking career. <laughs> give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Okay, not bad. Shoot, I'll take it. And a sincere thank you again to the one and only James Suckling for dropping on the show and making a new friend. Don't forget our next episode. We will be talking to friends like Austin Hope of Austin Hope and Triana Tasting Cellars, Hope Family Wines, as well as good buddy Joe Barton of Barton Family Wines and Gray Wolf Cellars. These guys together, it is going to be so much fun. I love them both. And the way both these brands do it up big for WineFest, you don't want to miss it. Again, get your tickets, get your info, anything you need for WineFest at PasoWine.com. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. The podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine and FlyWithWine.com. 
Original music on Where Wine Takes You, the song Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. Find them wherever you get your music or moonshinercollective.com. And I understand they're going to be performing on the Friday of Winefest. So that is super cool. I had a drink with Dan Curcio of Moonshiner Collective yesterday, and he is really, really excited. Thank you so much for connecting with us once again. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Until next time, which is next week. So happy to connect with you so soon and talk wine fest. Until then, fill that glass, lift it up, and here's to drinking wine you like, drinking what your palate deserves, and opening that bottle. Maybe you've been trying to wait for that right occasion. Well, that right occasion is today to share where wine takes you. Cheers. And give me that sound we'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify and good come. Give me that moon sound we'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify and good come. Give me that moon sound we'll get by. We pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass all around till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.